Welcome to the Exit Insights podcast. Today I've got with me Robert Postlethwaite from Postlethwaite Lawyers. And these guys are basically experts, the, the best we've met in working with employee share ownership schemes. So I won't try and steal any of Robert's thunder. I'll get Robert to introduce himself. And I'm looking forward to a, a really um, exciting, energizing conversation to learn all about the benefits of employee ownership. It's one thing that we're passionate about. Robert knows the legal technicalities. Let's get into it. Welcome to the show, Robert. Okay, thank you very much, Daryl. Great to be here. Great. So, Robert, why don't we start with, uh, it'd be great if we just get a little bit of an intro and background to yourself and how you started the business and how you got into the industry, really, because it is very niche. Okay. Um, yes, thank, thank you very much for the question. So, I, by background, am uh, what's called a corporate lawyer. Um, and very early on in my career, what that meant that was that I was working on uh, advising a company buying another company or occasionally advising a company doing a stock market flotation. Um, and I have to say, I didn't find that awfully interesting or stimulating. Um, and I couldn't see much of a, a kind of big useful purpose in that. So I started looking around for some other way of being a corporate lawyer that I felt was actually more useful. And I came across this um, idea called employee ownership. Now, this is quite a few years ago, important to appreciate that. So at that time, not many companies were practicing or even knew about employee ownership. There were a small number, John Lewis is probably the best known. Um, and even then that was clearly the largest and best known employee owned company in the UK. So I made it my mission in life and my career to become someone who could help companies become employee owned using my lawyering skills. Um, and over the intervening period, um, that's what I've been doing. So. I worked in a number of uh, law firms um, uh, in this field and a few years back I decided to set up my own practice um, which specialised in employee ownership. So we are a legal practice based in central London. There are six of us all together, shortly to become seven later in September. And we work all over the country um, um, sitting down with company owners and helping them find out what the best way is for them to become employee owned in a way which suits their business and their people um, and the longer term aspirations of the company's founders because often it coincides with a time when they're thinking about succession and retirement. Quite an intro, thanks. You've, uh, you've almost uh, depleted any questions. So look, I that, that's fascinating. So you've you transitioned from a, a, what we might call traditional corporate lawyer, but wanted to have more impact, more, more meaning. So uh, I love that. So in recent times, the government has been encouraging employee ownership and they've in, you know, even uh, introduced new, new structures. Are you finding that it is a growing industry? Yes. Very much. Uh, I would say it's been growing since the 1980s, which is when the, the germ of the idea of employee ownership 
first started to permeate through um, sort of UK corporate life. Although, as I said before, it started off very much as a minority sport, but the government did back in the 80s start to create some tax incentives for companies to set up employee share schemes. Um, so there's been a, a gradual increase in popularity of, of employee ownership ever since that time. In recent years, it, the, the rate of increase of take up has really picked up. Um, it will be interesting if we have time to explore why that is, but, but yeah, I, I have really noticed, particularly in the last five years, um, a very big change in the levels of interest. Yeah, well, I think that's a fascinating topic and, and one worth exploring because, you know, I've got my views and uh, uh, I'm sure they're, they're fairly similar from either side of the fence. So what there, there's there's so many different options when when it comes to employee ownership and there, there's there's trusts and structures and and who you should incentivize and, and and involve in the scheme and who you shouldn't how, how do you approach that robert what what do you include in i guess your service packages to clients yeah well we find that companies we talk to invariably are looking to do one of two things so um the first thing they might be looking to do is create some sort of ownership plan, perhaps limited to their directors or their key people. So a, a typical company that would fall into that category would be perhaps uh, a relatively newly established company, or if not newly established, if it's been around for a while, one that is very much focused on growth and has quite ambitious plans for growth. There are no plans necessarily for the existing owners to retire or sell up. What they instead want to do is introduce some additional owners to work alongside them and really drive the growth of the business. So what you typically see in that situation maybe is what, what we would call in the jargon an employee share scheme. So that would basically involve some employees of the company or, or, or maybe on occasions all of the employees acquiring shares but between them they wouldn't control the company the company would remain controlled by its founders or its founders and investors so that that's a, a big and very important part of our work the other category and, and this is where we're seeing particularly strong growth is what we call um, widespread or all employee ownership and what that typically involves is the ownership of the company changing very significantly so that it becomes owned by the employees as a whole so over 50 percent of the company sometimes it's all the company becomes owned by its employees and um, we can perhaps talk in a, a bit later on about how that can be done um, and that's normally to coincide with the founders wanting to realize the value they've built up in the business. So they're looking at putting in place some kind of succession plan, um, normally because they're getting ready to retire and they feel that employee ownership is the best way forward. And I think one of the things I've seen is that there's 
I guess, potentially a trend for uh, business owners to go, I can't sell my business any other way. I'll sell it to my employees. But you mentioned succession planning, and that's where I guess I like to see them used more, is that it's let's get everyone on board, everyone rewarded for the same goals, the same wins that the business has. Uh, and so we use it for succession planning and go, it's not just a last-ditch resort to, to exit my business. It's, it's kind of, you know, it's not pie in the sky when you die type of thing. It's kind of steak while we wait. And uh, let's, let's, let's grow the business and get a win-win-win, a, a triple bottom line, if you like. You know, it's good for the employees or the stakeholders. It's good for the shareholders and the founders. But it's also good for the business as a whole. Because you end up with something that's more profitable. It's, it's, uh, you get employees who are more incentivized and, and, and loyalty. And you get, you get something that's more productive. So to, to me, I don't see a downside. But I guess when you're talking to business owners, that they, they must be seeing some, some risks. Um, what, what are the risks that they share with you when you're talking with them? Um, yeah, I mean, the risks that they, they share with us, and there are sometimes risks that they, they, they don't share with us, but which we see, and we um, diplomatically, but very clearly point out to them. Um, so um, if, if I can deal with the, each of those in turn, um, the risk that owners often are concerned about is that if you sell your company to the employees, then um, without getting too much into sort of the granular details of how to structure it, but what that very often involves is, is you selling your shares to a trust which acquires your shares and then holds them on behalf of the employees. Um, and so the, the, the question that um, very obviously begs is, well, where is the trust going to get its money from? And the answer to that question usually is that it's going to pay in instalments over a period of years and the trust is going to get its money from the company out of the profits it intends to earn over the next few years. So it might be a down payment, but um, typically it might be four or five years, sometimes more to pay out the rest of the purchase price. So the risk for the sellers very clearly is that the company doesn't generate the required level of profits and cash, and they, they therefore have to wait longer um, until they can be paid out in full. And if the business really goes into a tailspin, then they may never get paid all of their money. But equally, um, you will also have risk if you sell to most other kinds of buyer who will invariably place a condition on payment of a good chunk of the purchase price linked to the future performance of the company. So in that sense, the, the risk isn't that different from selling to a trade buyer or to private equity. Um, there are other risks, but that, that's usually the key one that, um, that people express to us. The, the, the risk that they sometimes don't express, but we occasionally see is, um, well, it's more of a question, and if, you, if the answer to the question isn't the right one, then that creates a risk. So the question is, why are you doing it? Why, why are you thinking of selling your company to the employees? Um, and if the answer is, well, because we can't think of any alternative, um, or 
well because we see that there are some tax reliefs and we're really interested in those first and foremost but we're not particularly engaged by whether the company is going to thrive under employee ownership then we would see a great risk there because if either of those situations are present or even both of them then that casts quite a lot of doubts as to whether the company is going to succeed under employee ownership so what we're looking for is company owners and management team members and the potential for employees all to be engaged in employee ownership and making it um, something that has a really positive contribution to the company um, and that's an essential ingredient if you're thinking about going down the employee ownership route yeah so the risks, as always, I guess the risks and benefits are, are tied together. I think what you're saying is that the risks are there, um, but they don't seem to be any really greater than, than, than other risks in selling your business. There's an inherent risk in selling your business anyway. Uh, there's right. always contracts where you know, future revenues are locked in and, and, and uh, influence the final um, complete buying price. Uh, and the, but yeah, the, the benefits of employee ownership outweigh the risks because this is, I guess, a bigger picture play. It's a legacy play for the owners. And they're saying, I want to reward the, the employees who have helped me build the business over the years. Why shouldn't they benefit in, in some of the growth and be incentivized by, by future growth of the business? Uh, and if we're all aligned to the goal, the same goal, then we're more likely to achieve it. Uh, yeah. I guess, frankly. Yeah, that is exactly the thinking. Brilliant. So. What do you like about what you do? It's uh, it seems uh, it's a uh, it's a uh, very aligned to I guess the energies of entrepreneurs and business owners and 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 the the you know, the base of our economy, if you like, of of small medium business. What is it that, that gets you out of bed? What what do you love about it? Um, well, I like um, quite a lot of things about it actually. Um, so I like working with. Um, companies that are looking to do something very positive for their business and their employees as, as well as as well as for themselves um, looking at the full picture um, we have some really great clients actually we're very we're very fortunate um, with whom we do enjoy working and we have quite a lot of fun as well so and I, and I think um, having a bit of fun in work is very important um, in slightly former times, I also uh, have enjoyed um, getting out and about and going to visit clients and uh, exhibiting at uh, events where we get the chance to talk to a whole range of companies that are exploring employee ownership but aren't quite sure if it's the, uh, the right, thing to, to right thing for them or not. Um, obviously, that's been a bit more of a challenge uh, over the last few months, but I'm looking forward to the time when uh, we can start doing that again. Um, and I like working with my colleagues. We've got uh, a great team. Um, we, as far as I can tell, um, we all enjoy working together. I certainly enjoy working with them. So I hope that's reciprocated. Okay. It's, I don't know, yeah, well, you, you've said it, but one of the great privileges I feel I have as, as someone who consults to the, the mid-market space 
is that you get to meet so many different business owners and so many different businesses and, and often businesses that I wouldn't have even thought existed. And you see how creative people are at serving a market and often creating a market. And, you know, for, for me, that's just such a thrill to, to be involved in that. So you, you shared the things that you do love. Is there anything that you don't like about what you do? Is, is that well, there's probably no job in the world that, that, that's perfect. Um, so I'm um, just thinking about what I don't like. Now, this is, um, um, if, you, if someone had um, asked me in, um, back in February, um, what, what's your main complaint about your working life? I would have said um, commuting um, because our office is in central London. Uh, um, I live in North London. So um, on those days when I'm not fortunate enough to be riding a bicycle to work, which is generally my preferred mode of transport, it's the tube. And the traveling on the tube in London has become a killing and debilitating experience. Um, of course, I haven't been doing that um, since February. Um, so what I'm now complaining about is the fact that I'm not getting out and about and, uh, and seeing people. Um, which is slightly inconsistent, I'd have to accept um, with my previous um, antipathy to travelling by the tube, because now I'd like to be in a position where I'm going to be doing more travelling. Um, so not particularly a work-related thing, but, but certainly that aspect of travelling in London um, has got a bit wearing, and I guess it has been uh, a positive not to have to do that. Um, is there anything else I don't like? Um, well, I guess I'd have to be honest and say there are aspects of running a business where you do have to deal with some fairly routine things. Um, so I can't particularly say I enjoy those. But that said, I've got a really good um, leadership team working with me who are able to help me out with a lot of those things. So not something I can really put my hand on my heart on and say this is a massive complaint. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? We don't value something till we miss it or, or till we haven't got it. I'm not suggesting you miss uh, uh, London commuting, but uh, yeah, maybe the roads are quieter and uh, you can get in by bike and uh, be a bit safer and uh, make that a bit easier. So, uh, look, uh, the, the question's got to be asked, Robert. Uh, is your business employee-owned? Yeah, excellent question. So, um Ever since we, we started, so we, we, we set up, or I set up the business as the founder, um, let me think, um, must be 17 years ago now. Um, so we started off, it was just me, and then we turned it into a company uh, after a while. And when we turned it into a company, I made a conscious decision to include everybody working in the business as a co-shareholder. So not just the lawyers or not just the senior lawyers, which is the, the kind of standard ownership model for traditionally most law firms um, in the UK and indeed worldwide. Um, so we, we brought in all the lawyers plus members of our team who aren't actually legally qualified. So our office manager, um, for example, is a shareholder in the company. Um, so I think that already makes us uh, different in terms of our commitment to employee ownership um, than many or most other law firms. Yeah. Um, that said, I, I think there's a lot further we, we, we could go with this. Um, so the plan 
is for us to, um, and this is part of a succession plan, is for us to become um, majority owned ourselves by something called an employee ownership trust, which would acquire um, all or most of the shares in the, in the business and hold them on behalf of everybody working in the business. So that's our kind of really big next step. So Robert, you're, you mentioned that you've, your, your business is employee owned. And, and I guess the big question for me is of curiosity is what happened to the culture? Once, once you opened up the, uh, you know, the, the equity uh, to, to wider than just the, the highest fee owners and to everyone in the business, what impact did that have on the business in terms of their focus, their interest in the business, um, everything? Yeah, you, you must. There must have been some some change that you noticed, especially compared to other legal practices. Yeah, I, I would say we we became noticeably more collaborative. Um, there is a high degree of of interest through, throughout the business in things like how well we're performing. Um, and people do have a, a personal financial connection with that. So there is a, you know, an annual bonus plan which is linked to our annual profits. So people have a very clear, tangible financial reason to be interested in how we're performing. Um, nobody shirks when it comes to things like uh, quite mundane and often boring things like invoicing. Um, you, you, you can see in, in other firms that... Um, people might take the view that, well, why should I be really engaged in, uh, in the billing process because there isn't really anything in it for me. Um, but we don't, we don't seem to have that problem. Um, so we have, yeah, I would say high levels of commitment. Um, it's not perfect, um, but I'm, I'm kind of pleased with the level of collaboration that we have. And I would attribute a good part of that to uh, the fact that we have broader ownership. But I would also link it to the type of people that we recruit um, and we make sure that we, we get people who we think are, are going to fit in well with our culture. So do you think employee ownership of the fact that you are employee owned is uh, an influencing factor during the, when you are recruiting? And do you use it? Yes, we do use it. We use it when we're recruiting. We also use it when we're talking to potential clients. Um, and uh, we think both of those things are important. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. And the next step I think you mentioned was you're going to head down the full, you know, the, the, the trust route and get the majority of the business owned by the, um, by the employees. So yeah. Is that so? That's a transition phase from where you are in the, in the current structure that you've got on. Um, what's that process going to look like for you guys? Yeah, that's um, a big transition actually, because we'll we'll move from um, the majority of the company being owned by me and one of my colleagues to um, us having the the same ownership status as everybody else. Um, so we'll, we'll, all, we'll all be owners on very much equal terms. Um, where have we got to with that? Well, we started doing quite a lot of planning early in 2020. Um, then with COVID-19, we have put those plans a little bit on ice, um, mainly because we felt that um, 
people and team had enough to think about in terms of adapting how they work to working from home, um, which for many has been, you know, in part, in some ways, quite a stressful process, although we've, we've done our best to make it as stress-free as possible. We, we just think people have had quite a lot to think about. So um, also being asked to think about a major change in the ownership of the business, we just don't, don't feel the time is quite right. So we've been going a little bit slowly on that this year. Um, I'm going to start having conversations with people um, this month later to see how they feel about um, picking this up and moving it forward, um, wh whether they're ready to, to do that. But that will coincide with a time when we're also thinking about uh, a partial return to working in our office um, for those that wish to. So there's another thing for people to be thinking about there. Um, we, we don't want to overload them. So look, I love it. You're practicing what you preach. So there must be business owners who are out there listening to this podcast uh, today and they're thinking, you know, that it may be the first time they've heard about employee ownership. And, and I'm sure that you've got them starting to be a little bit curious. So what, what, what makes a good candidate, if you like, if, if a business owner you know, is out there thinking, going, yeah, could this work for me? What, what sort of guidelines would you give them, Robert? Okay. Well, yeah, there, there are a few. Um, I think it's, it's helpful if you're a business which um, has some potential still to grow. Um, so if you're, um, if you're a business which is sort of at a plateau um, or maybe even declining, um, then you've got to ask, well, what is the opportunity to become an owner of that necessarily going to be a very attractive one? Um, that said, there are some business owners who say, well, actually, we don't want to sell our shares. We're, we're actually willing to give them away. That, that's a minority thing. It doesn't happen that often. Um, but if you've got a, a mature business, um, which isn't really going anywhere in terms of profit, um, but whoever's is willing to give it away, then that's not necessarily a, uh, not, not necessarily a problem. Um, so there's that. But beyond that, I would say the most important things are um, you need um, to be able to secure the commitment of whoever's going to be running the company as an employee-owned company. So commitment from the senior, senior leadership team. You may not necessarily have that immediately. It, it can be built up, um, but there needs to be a kind of very important that there's an awareness that that's important. Um, also, uh, that there's a, a commitment to getting the employees engaged as owners. You can't take that um, as, as red. Um, and that's going to be a very important ingredient as well. So a company that, uh, that is prepared to sort of has a, has a committed leadership team or is prepared to work on that and the same with the employees um, and also owners who are happy with um, a move to employee ownership. Those all um, look like um, strong candidates. If you looked at a company that had a very uh, kind of, shall I say, command and control leadership style. Um, and there, I think there are fewer of those than there used to be. Um, and that's one of the reasons employee ownership is becoming more, uh, more popular. 
because I think it does sit very comfortably with more uh, current leadership styles, which uh, tend, tend to be more about listening than they are about um, um, simply telling people what to do. Um, but if you do have a company that does have a very command and control culture, then it's going to be quite a challenge to change that culture to something um, more attuned to employee ownership. Um, not saying it can't be done, um, but um, it will be, I would say, more of a challenge. Yeah, I'd absolutely support that. You know, the experience I have is working with in, in coaching organisations like that. You know, the observation I've made over the years is that a business that's stuck on about 10, 15 people, one, one and a half million revenue, the lower end of where we operate, but business owners there are control freaks. And it's a big cultural shift for, for that business uh, to, to make that change. But if, they, if they're up for it and, and they've got someone guiding them, coaching them, leading them with that challenge, then, then it absolutely is doable because they can see the win-win for them, their employees and the, and the business. So, yeah, look, it's, it, it's all about cultural shift. It's about, you know, one of the other things that we've seen is just by putting in a structure of employee ownership is, is not going to change the business and create this extra productivity and profitability that um, is often associated with employee ownership. We found that to really bed that down and, and to get that, those benefits, you really need to go educate the employees around business, around the way the business model works, the way profit works, and just engage them at a, um, at a higher level than they have been. We call that moving from employee thinking to ownership mindset, but we do it in parallel with getting the business ready uh, for, for moving to an employee ownership culture. And you know, it just ensures the success. So uh, I think we're very aligned there. Robert, um, coming to the end, and what I always like to ask my guests uh, as, a, as a, a last question on the podcast is, what's the one tip, the golden nugget, if you like, that you'd like listeners to take away from this conversation? You know, if they're thinking about employee ownership, what's the one key that you really want them to walk away with? I would say that um, employee ownership, um, if done well, um, has the potential to really transform um, the performance of a business. Um, and when I say performance, I'm partly meaning financial performance, but I'm also looking at other things as well. Like, you know, is this business a good place to work? Can I be, you know, can I achieve advancement in, in my career? Am I going to get job satisfaction? And I think those are all also very important aspects of people's working lives. And I think employee ownership, if done well, um, can score very highly on, on all of those. Um, and if you look at the evidence, it suggests that um, employee-owned companies do that and do that better than other businesses. Absolutely. And look, it's, it's a cultural shift um, as well as a commercial shift, but you've got to make the cultural shift to get the commercial gains which I think is just a different way of what you're saying. So yeah, love it. Um, well, look, that's probably all we've got time for today, Robert. Um, I'm sure we could uh, talk for, for hours on, on various topics of employee ownership and maybe we'll get you back one day and uh, we'll, we'll talk about specific schemes or different uh, employee-owned structures. So thanks for joining me today and um, I'll look forward to speaking to you again soon. Okay, that's a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me.